that our community would be touched by the power of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us minds to comprehend that which we're going to receive today from your word. Lord, help the words uh, of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I pray, O God, that as we receive your word, Lord, that we would hear Jesus' soft, sandaled feet walking up and down the aisle, speaking to each heart, transforming each life by the power of your Holy Spirit, guiding us to worship you, loving you, adoring you in all things. Thank you for this time together, for we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the script that you find yourself following? What's the script that you sort of obey intuitively but don't necessarily think about? We all have a script. If you're not sure uh, if you have a script or not, just ask yourself, was there ever a point in my time, uh, ever point or time in my life where I did something that I was like, what was I thinking, right? You ever have that moment, right, where you look sort of back in your life and you go, what was I thinking? Right. Um, have you ever done something and you go, why did I do that? Have you ever experienced that? Like, it's like oh my gosh, you just sort of shocked yourself, right? Um, we all have that because, and what those things do, those, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Those moments, all they do is they kind of, they kind of are indicators about your, uh, your script, the script that you listen to. And so, um, what's your script? I remember um, I was revealed one of my scripts, those, those stories that you tell yourself. One time, I was driving my uh, father in my car. It was my first car. I was driving to the um, Great Adventure. And as we were going to Great Adventure, uh, I was dri- and you know it was the coolest car in the world, especially if you're Puerto Rican and from New York, right? It was a uh, 1984 Monte Carlo. Oh yeah, all the Puerto Ricans go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the 84 Monte Carlo is like the Puerto Rican Corvette, right? It's like you know it's awesome, love it. And so I'm driving my dad, and so you know he's there, and, and my wife is there, his wife is there, and we're just my son. He's real super young at that time. He's 21 now. Um, but he was really young at the time we were driving. And, you know, we just started to talk and goof around and talk, you know, that kind of thing. And it was a funny conversation. And you know how, like, conversations take turns that you just don't know how you get there? It's like, uh, it's an awkward moment. So um, we're, we're driving, and I don't know what I said. I don't know what I said to bring out this reaction from him, uh, but it brought out a powerful reaction from my dad, who... I don't know. I'm still afraid of. Anybody still afraid of their dad? Even though I think I could take my dad. Honestly, he's like 106. I think I could take him, but I, I just I'm still scared. And so, um, so I, we're driving, and I don't know. I said I said something like, "Oh yeah, but you know, when you spanked us, it was something, something, something." I have no idea what I said. And so he goes, in in a voice that to me sounds like God. Um, he goes, he goes, "I never hit you." I just kept on driving. 
I didn't say a word because it was an awkward moment because this isn't I don't know I don't know if he was there I thought he was there because he was inflicting the damage but he took blood out of me like I mean it was like a it was like a cage fight with like one person beating up on somebody else it was an awful experience and so like you know I, I mean I was like oh he never hit me uh, okay well and so I kept on driving and after about five minutes of awkward silence 50 years of awkward silence is what it felt like and he, he then said something that sort of changed the script in my mind. He said, I never hit you. My father, he hit me. But I never hit you. I was like, what a, what a powerful statement. Pop, can you tell me more about that? And he told me about how his father had nearly broken his jaw. Imagine by the time he was 12. Imagine getting hit by a man with your fist when you were 12 years old. And I realized that in comparison to the beatings that he got, he really did never hit me. In his mind. But you see, I had walked around with a script that I was no good. That I was fractured. I was flawed. That there was something inherently wrong with me. That was the script that I walked around with my whole life. So I treated myself that way. I'm not the only one with a script. You've got yours too, don't, isn't it? Some of us actually walk around. Think about this. There are pretty girls in this room who think they're ugly because they walk around with a script. And so they settle for any relationship that comes their way because they figure that they're not worthy of anything better. It's a script you walk around with. Some of us plow through relationships. Plow through relationships. Just utter destruction. And... The reason is it's because you're functioning off of the script that you've been given. That relationships are only used for your pleasure and then once that pleasure is gone, that you no longer, it no longer functions as necessary to you. So you abandon it. Some of us, some of us are full of anxiety because of the experiences that you had as a child and now you feel like if you don't control every single aspect of your life, there's a fear that feels like terror that wakes up. And everybody's like, relax, calm down. And you're like, I am calm. You know, and it's like, you know, we're like, oh, okay, I guess you are. Um, and it's like one of those moments. But, but for you, what you're doing is you're functioning off of a script. I come from a culture, true story, I come from a culture that's very, like, super, I'm Puerto Rican, right? So it's like very, very macho. And there's two things. Two things that define you as a man in that culture. One is to be able to defend yourself. You have to really be good with your hands. You have to actually, you know, prove that you're a man, right? Um, and the other one is to, to be able to uh, have a lot of women, right? To be able to like conquer women and, and things like that. And growing up, I found very quickly that I was not good at either one of those, <laughs> right? At all. And so, and so for a long time, because of the sexual abuse that I experienced as a child and what my culture would have called feminine tendencies, I thought that I was gay. And it was a script that I was functioning off of. And it's how I behaved and it's where I went. But there was a script there. And that script was given to me, and I functioned off of that script, giving myself a particular identity, and went in that particular direction. It's just, but, you might be consumed right now, or thinking about my script, but what's yours? What's your script? 
What's the script that you kind of go through in your mind that gives you justification to be either treated as badly as you allow yourself to be treated or treat others as badly as you do? What's, the, what's your identity? What's your script? I don't know. But God knows, God knows that every one of us will function off of a script and that if we function off of a script other than the scriptures, we will find ourselves in pain that we don't know how to handle, in regret that we cannot change, in shame that we cannot endure, in a kind of suffering that will not go away. We will suffer. And so God says, you're my kids. I love you. So I have a script for you. And I want you to avail yourself to this script so that you don't identify yourself in the wrong way. You don't carry out the wrong script. You don't live out the wrong line. And so God gives us in his word a script to follow. And here's the big idea for today, guys. Just in case you have to go to the bathroom early. Here's the big idea. Are you ready? It's this simple. God's Holy Spirit uses God's Holy Word to work in your heart holiness. That's where change comes. You want to know change? You've got to know God's Word and you've got to know God. So Let's think about that for a second. God's Holy Spirit will, you got, will use God's Holy Word so that you might walk in holiness. And that's all that we need to know today. Now, if you're coming in, you're coming in on week like three or four, uh, fourth week, I think. This is uh, part four. So you're coming in on week four of a series. The way series work in Recovery House of Worship is like this. What we do is we give you a little piece of the puzzle every week. So believe me, oh my gosh. Somebody say, don't miss next week. Tell your neighbor, don't miss next week. Leave the clothes dirty. No, no, okay. Uh, you know, don't shop for the food. Leave the clothes. You don't want to miss next week. Next week is going to be awesome. You don't want to miss next week. But so what happened? The first week of the series, we simply talked about what change is not. Change is not willpower. Change is not self motivation. Change is not uh, being strong enough to change. In fact, when you try to change yourself like that, you leave yourself worse off than when you started. Isn't it true? Right? I remember Mark Twain said, quitting smoking cigarettes is the easiest thing in the world. I've done it a thousand times. Right? Yeah. Because change with your own willpower doesn't really work. Right? You agree? Yeah, of course. And so, it, it, we talked, first week was what change is not. Second week, what we talked about, um, let me, I said, I'm losing it. Uh, the second week, what we talked about was what our motivation for change is. Now watch this. If your motivation to change, what your motivation for change shouldn't be is self-centered. Because watch this, if in fact, if in fact, your motivation to change is to get an outcome for your own benefit, it won't be long lasting. It won't last. You know why it won't last? Because your desires change. Watch this. Say for instance, you go, you know what? I want the bikini body. Right? I want the bikini body. I got to fit into the bikini. So what do you do? You change your diet, right? And so... You get into the diet, June comes around, you've got the bikini body. Anybody knows what happens in September? Yeah. Anybody know? Yeah, right, right, right. In September, you lose it, right? haagen here I come. You know, China. You want to eat Chinese food? No, let's have Mexican. It's all bad for you and all the stuff that you eat. Why? Because your, your purpose was self-centered. 
So you weren't actually going for health, you were going for a particular look for a particular time, and it lasted, and once you got what you wanted, you kept it moving. Make sense? Right. Now watch this. This, I see this in relationships all the time. Because, oh man, if I don't change, my girl's gonna throw, you know, throw me out. Or if I don't change, she's gonna, you know, leave me. Or, you know, I'm doing it for my kids. But once you do that, because your change is self-centered, once you think that the kids are not going to go, that the wife is going to stay, that the, you know, once that happens, then you stop. You have no more motivation for change. So listen to me. Week one was what change is not. Week two was what motivates us to change. What motivates us to change is not self-centeredness, but it's Christ at the center of our lives. When we live for the glory of God, that never changes. And so, when you're walking and you go, oh, I want a beach body. The reason I want a beach body is because I want the healthiest body I can have so I can serve God with the strength and the days that he's given me. Well, that never changes because I want to glorify God. You see the difference between self-centered? Some of us call ourselves Christians, but the fact is, is we're still working off the same self-centered script that we had when we got here in the first place. I'm, I can't give you all the sermon, right, of the things. So, so, part week was... Uh, it was what change is not, what's the true motivation for change, it's Jesus. Week three was the power to change, and the power to change is simply the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. And so if you want to listen to that, there's a, this week we're going to talk about the scriptures are the tool that God uses for change. This is it, listen. God's Holy Spirit uses God's Holy Word so that you and I might walk in holiness. It's that simple. So we're going to look at a scripture. Now, uh, we're going to go to the biggest book in the Bible, right? Because the Bible is not a book, it's a series of books. Bible literally means library, right? It's a series of books, and the biggest book in the Bible, anybody know what it is? Psalms. Anybody know what the biggest... Cha- okay, now watch this, if you, if you ever get this question at like a trivia show, I want you to tithe here, okay? Because um, you're going to get it right. What's the largest chapter in the whole Bible? Anybody know what it is? Psalm 119, yeah, absolutely, it's 119. Now, think about this. The most popular book in the whole world. The biggest chapter in the most popular book, and the, uh, and the, or the biggest book in the most popular book, and the biggest chapter in the biggest book that's the most popular book, what do you think that chapter would be on? The whole thing. What do you think it would be on? You would think it would be on love, you would think it would be on, right, yeah, yeah. It's God's word. The chap- God goes, this I cannot speak enough about. I'm going to put it in the most popular book in the history of the world. I'm going to put it in the biggest book within the most popular book in the history of the world. I'm going to put it in the biggest chapter in the biggest book of the most popular book in the world. I'm going to put it there. Because I don't want people to miss how important his word is. Now, one of the things that we do as a tradition here is we stand when we read God's word because it's pretty awesome. So once you stand with me, we're going to read together. On a count of three. Now, uh, if you have your bulletins, uh, you can uh, read it from your bulletins. If not, you'll have it on the screen. We're going to read Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Let's all read a nice, loud voice together. One, two, three. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. 
With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is God's word. Please be seated. God over and over and over again says, listen, if you want life that... Listen. Think about this for a second. The way we find salvation is in the person of the Word. Jesus Himself is the Word. And He comes down to die the death that you deserve to die and live the life that you should have lived but you did not. Why? He's the Word. And if you want to know about God, look at Jesus. God, in His Word, comes and He asks an incredible question. This is, boy, this is the question of all questions here. How can a young person, verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That is the question. You want to find out, hey, how can I stop living this lifestyle? How can I stop acting out on that thing? How can I stop eating the way I do? How can I stop spending the way I do? How can, I, how can this aspect of my life be transformed? How can, I, how can this depression be lifted? How can this identity be taken? How can this life be lived in such a way that it honors God? Watch this. This is the question. This is the question we're all asking. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Here it is. You ready? By living according to your word. And that's it. Everybody, good night. Go home. Enjoy the rest of your day. That's the answer. It's by living according to your word. But the answer begs a question, right? Um, okay, you know, God goes, you in the back. Thanks. Um, God, uh, exactly what is your word? I don't know it. And so God says, okay, let me, let me see if I could tease this out a little bit more in the next few verses. God is going to give us several ideas and thoughts. Now watch this. In your bulletin, you have a piece of paper. We call it the sermon map. You have the scriptures and you have lines. What I want you to do is I want you to take notes because you're not going to remember everything that I say right now. And remember, listen to me. This is a lesson I learned a lot of years ago. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Okay? So, write this down. Write this down. Get pen, pencil, and mascara. Write this down. Um, God is going to give us several key words, seven in fact, to help us to pursue Him in His Word. I'm just going to shout out, now, each one of these words, seek, hide, teach me, recount, rejoice, meditate, and delight, are all found in verses 10 through 16. So what I want you to see is I want you to see, seek. I seek you with all my heart. Watch this. Many of the problems that I have and have had in my life is that I seek the wrong thing. I see, I'm, I'm like, I seek, I seek the things that I ought not seek. I pursue the things that I ought not pursue. I go after that which harms me. I seek. God says, I have a thought. Why don't you seek me with all of your heart? Because listen to me. 
Has a lover ever broken your heart? Let me ask you that. Has a lover ever broken your heart? Right? One or two of you, maybe? Right? Yeah, sure. Sure. Right. Okay. Have, have you ever had, like, hopes and dreams in terms of finances and then got them and just go, oh, man, that's not really what it's all about? Have you ever bought a pair of shoes that you were like, oh, man, if I just had those shoes, I'd love those shoes or that dress or that suit or whatever? Right? You get the things that you want, and then once you get them, you realize that that wasn't the thing. See, here's the thing. The, the problem with the end of a lot of people's lives is that they reflect back on their lives and they realize that they put the ladder to success, the ladder that they climbed to success was leaning against the wrong building. And so they got all the way to the top only to discover, oh dear, I spent all of these years pursuing it and now, oh my, it's not worth it. Seek. So we seek God with all of our heart. Now that's easy to do. You've done it before. Have you ever sought anything with all of your heart, not caring what other people thought or did or whatever? So you know how to seek. You know how to seek. Hidden or hide. So we seek. Someone say seek. Seek. Then we hide. Someone say hide. hide. We hide God's word in our heart. See what the psalmist says? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, 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 listen. Watch this. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? Why? Why do you hide God's word in your heart? So that I might not sin against him. Not so that I might not hurt your feelings. Not so that my life could be better or worse or whatever. I hid in my word, I, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Which goes back to last week's or two weeks ago and how we talked about our motivation is Jesus. We have to hide God's word in our heart. We can't do that unless we're exposed to God's word. Okay, let me ask you something. Who here thinks that they live out the Ten Commandments? If you live out the Ten Commandments, it's very possible that you do. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, 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 now, okay. Some of you, who here does not think that they live out the Ten Commandments? Okay, okay, now watch this. Out of all the people who raised your hand and I saw who you are, watch this. Who can mention four of the Ten Commandments? Okay, shoot. Go. Huh? Do not lie. Do you have four in your mind? Okay, that's two. Okay. Okay, do not murder. Right, okay, great, great. That's probably our max. But if you don't know the Ten Commandments, how, who here knows all Ten Commandments? Who here? Okay, we got Betsy. We got, okay, great, great. Great, great, great. Watch this. So for the rest of you, how do you know you're keeping the Ten Commandments if you don't know the Ten Commandments? This is... This is what the scriptures are talking about. Listen to me. How could you possibly know if you don't know? Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We go, oh yeah, don't sleep around with your neighbor's wife. Uh, what's the other one? Oh yeah, don't kill nobody. Um, don't steal thy wife's hagen I think is the other one. I don't know. But the fact is, many of us don't know, and so if, if you don't know, how do you know that you're keeping them? You don't. It's that simple. But if you hide God's word in your heart, there's, a, there's an, a, a thing that God does internally that's incredibly helpful. What do I do here? What do I do in this decision or that decision? Oh, I got to The scripture says, because, man, opinions are a dime a dozen, are they not? Right? Seek, hide God's word in your heart. Teach me. Somebody say, teach me. Verse 12 says, praise to you, Lord. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me 
your decrees. There needs to be a level of humility when we pursue God's word. Our problem is, is that not, 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 not so much that we don't pursue God's word. Good night. If you're here right now, you're pursuing God's word to some extent. Right? You want to hear God's word. You're seeking. You're pursuing. You're, that's, not, that's not the problem. The problem is, is that we come to God's word with our own agenda. We come to God's word, not looking to submit to his will and his authority, but rather asking God to submit to our will and our authority. So we go, hey man, sex is for one, you know, sex is for married people only, one man and one woman. And that's what the Bible says. And then we go, yeah, but that book was written a long time ago. <laughs> I guess. You're right. Or we go, you know, hey, do you think that I should... You know, do you think that I should uh, cheat on my taxes? Like, well, that, that was answered a long time ago. Do you, you, right? Do you have it? Oh, yeah, but doesn't want God like, want me to be happy? Well, no. No, he wants you to walk in holiness. Amen. He wants you to walk. He wants you to become like Christ. And sometimes that isn't the happiest thing in the world. Listen, let me tell you something. You ever try to be fit? Anybody here ever try to be fit? Anybody ever be happy at the gym? Not me. I'm the most miserable person at the gym. Why? Because it's not something fun, but it's necessary if you want to be fit. Well, holiness is like that in a way. But when we come to God with humility and we say, teach me. God, teach me your word. This is a spectacular word. This is a word that can transform my life. Here, God, you know better than I do. It's a marvelous thing when my kids, like, you know, dispute something with me. Bah, can we have ice cream? No. Oh, Bob, why is it, why are you like that? You don't want to let us have our fun. It's just a little ice cream. It's not going to kill you. And I'm looking at them. And I'm looking at them. I go, look, here's the deal, right? You, you're already going to see enough magazines that are going to give you enough insecurity about your physical beauty. And so if you partake in this ice cream and you get in the habit of eating ice cream, you're going to blow up. You're not going to be healthy. You're going to get depressed. You're not going to have the kind of energy that you desire you're not going to be able to think the way you want to. You're not going to be able to have the ability to do the things that you want. I want you to be healthy. Now, I can't tell that to my kids all the time, can I? No. You know what I do? I say, no. No ice cream. That's shorthand for all the things that I just told you. Can I sleep late? No, because studies have been done that if you go to sleep um, uh, bed early, kids uh, wake up wake up with more energy, are more focused at school, learn better, and can equip themselves. For the, you know what I do? I tell them, go to sleep. You know why? Why? Because listen to me. Because I know better than them. You know what God does in his word? He goes, this is going to hurt you. Don't do that. And we go, but why? You're such an old book. You know, man wrote it. As if like there was any other book that man did not write, right? Like just, here's a clue. Man writes all books, right? Of course he does. But it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what that means is that we need to come to God with humility. Teach me. Help me to understand. It's important. Seek, hide, teach me, recount. Somebody say recount. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. You know what that means? That means you're simply speaking God's word. Isn't it good to speak God's word back to yourself? Speak God's word back to yourself. It's an encouragement. You know, here's an idea. Preach the gospel to yourself. Have you ever thought of that? Preach the gospel. You know what? There's a, there, uh, in this book called uh, uh, What to Say When You Speak to Yourself, um, it, it, he makes this assertion in the book that something like 92%, I can't remember the exact percentage, 91, 92, 93, 94, 
And something like 92% of self-talk is negative talk. Isn't your experience that? Oh, you piece of dummy, why'd you do that? Why'd you, you know, self-talk is negative talk. Here's a concept. Why don't you talk God's word to you? Preach the gospel to yourself. You have no, many t- you have no idea how often I have to remind myself that I do not get my righteousness by what I do. Even when I finish preaching here and I feel like it's been a dud, I want to just stab myself with a dull butter knife. I just want to just like, oh God, I can't believe I preached so bad. And, and I have to remind myself, my righteousness does not come from my preaching. My righteousness doesn't even come from your receptivity. My righteousness comes from Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who's Lord of my righteousness. My righteousness, well, my wife doesn't like me. My, wife, my righteousness does not come from my wife. My righteousness comes from my Christ. When my... You get the point. The point is, is that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. And the Bible speaks to that. Recount it. Speak it to yourself. Someone say rejoice. 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 I have a friend in this church. His name is Keith Bigger. He uh, handles the sound back there. He does the coolest thing. Every time I go, hey, Keith, how you doing? He goes, rejoicing. Isn't that cool? When I was younger and dumber, I used to go, no, 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 Keith, really. What's going on, man? And he would go, rejoicing. And I'd go, no, really, really. As if there was something deeper than that. Because the fact is, is that no matter what you and I go through, when we have God's word in our lives and we, God's spirit is using God's word to change our hearts to walk in holiness, what we discover is that we can rejoice even in the darkest of times. You can be in a jail cell and be more free than those who are outside because you're rejoicing in God's word. Meditate. Someone say meditate. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Oh, that we would meditate. You know what the problem with the word meditate is? It's been hijacked. And so meditation, what it usually means, and, you know, like, oh, you know, uh, I'm spiritual too, you know, I, I meditate. And I go, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, how do you do that? What do you do? Well, I, and, you know, I've read some books on meditation, different types of Eastern meditation, and basically it's focusing your mind on nothing, getting your mind to nothing, to desire nothing, to, okay, great. That's the absolute opposite of what the Bible says. It's the absolute opposite. The Bible says, I don't want you to focus on nothing. The Bible says, I want you to focus on someone. Does that make sense? I don't want you to focus on nothing. I want you to focus on someone. The Christ, the risen Christ who died for your sin. As you look at the scripture, we see Jesus high and lifted up, glorious and beautiful, wondrous and worthy to be praised. And so we focus, we give our attention to him. But now here's the deal. Some of us, do, well, how do I do that? All, listen, who here is really, really super concerned or worried about something? Raise your hand if you're worried about something. Is there something that you're worried about? Okay, now watch this. Those of you who have your hands raised, you are our expert meditators. You are our world-class, black belt, ninth degree meditators. Because all worry is, all worry is, is a focus on one thing in a negative way. That's all it is. So God goes, since I know you're going to meditate, here's a thought. Why don't you meditate on my word that will bring you to the Son of God? Why not? So God's word says, don't meditate on nothing. Meditate on someone, Jesus. So we're going to practice what that looks like by simply looking at the second half of verse 9. I'm going to give you a quick practice of meditating. Are you excited? I'm excited for you. Are you excited? 
All right, I'm excited. Okay, so let's look at verse 9. In verse 9 it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a method on how to meditate on God's word. It's really simple, and you're going to, you're going to rejoice in it right now. You're going to experience the power of it, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the second half. By living according to God, uh, uh, by living according to your word. And what we're going to do is we're going to emphasize each word, alright? So the first time, we're going to read through it. We're going to read by in a loud voice, and then we're going to whisper the rest. And then the second time, we're going to read living in a loud word, a loud voice, and then we're going to whisper the rest. And we're going to continue going until we finish that second half of verse 9. Are you with me? Okay, so on the count of three. One, two, three. Five! Living according to your word. Hmm. We're almost there. That was good. I love that guy. I love that. Let's think about that. Let's think about that for a second. Okay. Let's do second word. One, two, three. By living according to your word. Hmm. Let's go with the third word. One, two, three. By living according to your word. Hmm. One, two, three. By living according to One, two, three. By living according to your hmm. One, two, three. By living according to your word. You see that? Simple practice of meditation. By emphasizing each word, you're giving your mind a little bit more focus, a little bit more attention. Imagine. Imagine the scriptures that would blow you away. I will extol the Lord at all times. Oh, just to sit with that scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, to sit with that scripture. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. See, as we focus, as we meditate on scriptures, not focusing on, some, on, on nothing, but focusing on who Jesus is in the word, we grow in love with Christ. Lastly, delight. Somebody say delight. 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 Do you know, you know what, why you pursue what you pursue even when it's bad for you? Do you know why? Because you delight in it. It's that simple. You pursue what you like. So delight yourself in the Lord. You go, but how do I do that? Well, first of all, you say, God, give me a heart for you. Help me to see Jesus as glorious. Help expand my mind to see Jesus as lifted high. Delight yourself in the Lord. Verse 16 says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I just gave you seven ways to pray. Seven ways to look at God's Word. Seven ways to have a devotional. I want this so bad for every one of you. You know what hangs in the balance? Here's what's going to happen. One day, we're all going to die. Does everybody deny that or think differently than that? Anybody know that? Okay. I've sat with a lot of people when, uh, just before they took their last breath. Let me tell you something. There's an unbelievable clarity on your deathbed. You have a level of clarity on your deathbed that you simply do not have right now. You'd have to, you'd have to like gain like a terminal illness in order to sort of speed it up, right? It's an unbelievable clarity. 
And so what's going to happen is you're all going to get to that final day. And the question will be, will that day be filled with rejoicing or regret? I'm telling you, beloved, the difference between rejoicing and regretting is those who knew God's Word and lived it out. Those who the Holy Spirit taught the Holy Word for them to walk in holiness. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I've done enough funerals. I've sat enough uh, beside bedsides. I've heard more confessions than the DA. I am telling you. I'm telling you. It is all about, listen to me, it's all about, it's all about living out God's Word. can't tell you how many times in my own office, people will come up to me and go, Pastor, here's my issue. And then they tell me, like, you know, the thing that they did that they feel bad about and that they did. And I go, oh, that's easy. Look. And I go, here's what scriptures say. Here, read it, read it. And they go, oh, I wish I'd have known that sooner. I would have, been, I would have avoided what I did last week. And I, in my mind, I never say this out loud. I go, if you would have came to church two weeks ago, that's exactly what I preached. And so what happens is, is that people don't avail themselves to God's word and their rejoicing gets affected. I want you to rejoice. I want you to avail yourself. So you avail yourself to God's word by coming here. Now watch this. Here's the thing. Does anybody here want to get more into God's Word? Does anybody here? Would anybody here? All right, I'm going to give you a process to get into God's Word. I'm just going to, it's very, very simple. Every one of us can do it. I want you to uh, come along with me for the ride. When I first started to um, get into God's Word, I had a chair like this. It's a posture chair. It's the coolest chair in the world. Um, uh, I was talking to Ryan. He goes, oh, you're going to get a massage during the sermon? I was like, I wish. I'm like, that would be awesome. No, it's not, a, it's not a massage chair. It's a posture chair. And um, so what you do is you put it like that. And what it did, it helped me to humble myself. Get myself in a position to humble myself. Now, it, nothing spiritual about the chair. It's just I'm an arrogant, prideful, you know, guy. And so I needed something to physically remind me how great God is and how not so great I am. Right? And so... I, I had a, a little chair like this, and I had a little timer. It was the coolest thing. Um, I, I took my wife's uh, timer, and I would click it to about five minutes, and I would put it on the, the thing. And here's what I would do. So I would go, put it there. And then I would pray for world peace and pray for everybody that I know and pray that God would give everybody blessings and all this other stuff. And then I would open my eyes to find out that there are three and a half minutes left on the clock. It was unbelievable. I was like, if you got something to say, I'm all ears. But I'm, I ran out of stuff. That was, that was all I got. And so I would just sit there and then the thing would ring. And, and that was my time with the Lord. And that was it. Now, listen to me. It was a great day when I did put on thing and I prayed for everybody and I did everything and da, 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 and then the alarm went off in the middle of my prayer. I'm developing a conversation. It's sort of like meeting somebody for the first time. Isn't it true if you meet somebody? Like, the conversations that you could have with someone who you've been in love with for the last six months are different than the one that you have on the first date, Right? Especially if it's a blind date, right? You're like, oh, so what do you do? 
uh, you know, and it's like really awkward, right? Well, it's kind of like that. You're developing a relationship with Christ, and so it can be awkward sometimes. And so for those of you who don't know what to say, cool beans. He's got a lot to say to you. So you don't have to say much. And so there's that. And then what, what happened is it, it went from that five minutes to incorporating God's word. And God started to speak to me. It wasn't just a one-way conversation. Now it was a two-way. It wasn't just a monologue. Now it became a dialogue. And I'm telling you, listen, listen. I have a notebook. I should have brought it downstairs. It'll change your life. The kind of decisions that I've made in chairs like this will change your life. I was in one. I was in a retreat. And I had a union job. And I have no education to speak of. And I was getting paid more than I was getting paid anywhere else in my life. And my wife was pregnant with our daughter. And God said, he spoke to me from his word. Psalm 121. I could tell you the exact date because I, I, I would write out my devotionals. I could tell you exactly when it was that God said, I want you to leave your job and I want you to pastor this church. It's like, uh, you got anything else up there? Because... <laughs> Did you not know? Have you ever told God things that he doesn't know? I've done this all the time. I go, but my wife is pregnant. But, you know, my wife is pregnant and I ain't got no money and we ain't got no money in the bank. And God's like, oh, my God, I forgot that. I'm sorry. Forget the last thing I said. That wasn't what happened. God just said, you know what? You can trust me. But that, those kinds of life-changing, to think about this for a second. If you're hearing my preaching right now, it was changed, not because of what I did this morning, but because of what I did that morning. That was over ten years ago. And my life has been changed, and maybe some of you would argue maybe your lives have been changed. It's the power of having time with God's Word. I want it so bad for you. Because most of you are going to live your life based on your feelings. You're going to make herky-jerky mistakes that are going to cost not only you, but your kids and your spouses and your friends. And it would all be changed if you would just spend some time with the Word who will give you the Word. So if we're going to do that, here's what we're going to have to do. Are you ready? It's just three things. You're going to have to pick a time a place, and a process. Let's talk about time. Time, you're going to have to pick a time. When are you going to get with God? Let me tell you something. If you go, oh, listen, the new year is coming up and you're going to be eating like crazy people during the holidays, right? And so January is going to come around and you go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose 10 pounds. Like, okay, no problem. You're going to lose 10 pounds. And here's what's going to happen. You're not going to say when you're going to go to the gym. You're not going to say when you're... You need a time. What time will you be spending with God in His Word? What's the time? Are you a morning person? Great, do it in the morning. Especially for you single moms, I recommend that you do it early in the morning before the kids wake up. Because once the kids wake up, it's like, bang! Right? You're off and running, you're going off, you're doing your thing. Guys, listen to me. If you know that there's a a sporting event at night that you're going to watch, then your time should not be 8 o'clock. That doesn't make sense. Because you're not going to do it. So you have to pick a time. What's your time? Let me ask. What's your time? What is the time that you're going to be spending, starting tomorrow, what's the time that you're going to be spending in God's Word? What time is it? Is it going to be 7? Is it going to be 5? Is it going to be 3 in the afternoon? Is it going to, do you have it in your head? Amen. Write it down. Write it down. What time will you be spending with God? Then you need a place. Now, I don't care where the place is. It could be in your home. It could be in a Starbucks. It could be... In your car, 
when I was very young, um, very young, when I was, um, all right, so when I was younger, um, when I was younger, I had this apartment that uh, we lived in. It was me, my wife, my son, and then my daughter. It was this little apartment in Java. And it was such a tiny apartment that I had my little room, and the bathroom door, if it closed this way, it closed on the bathroom door, and it, if it closed this way, it, it was the same door. And it could close two rooms. It was just like silly, right? And it was just, but that's how small the place was. The only place that I could find a private moment was in the bathroom. That was the only place. And the only time I could find is when everybody went to sleep. And so that was my time with God and His Word. Speaking back His Word, reading His Word. In in that little tiny, I, I thank God. What's your place? Do you have a place? Do you have a place? Is it in your car? Maybe that's the only place you could be uh, private. Maybe it's on the train ride. Maybe it's in your office. Maybe it's in uh, your bedroom. Maybe it's in the library. I don't know. But you should have a place where you meet with God. An appointment to meet with God every day. We need a a time. We need a place. And we need a process. What's your process? What's the thing that you'll follow? Now, my process has changed throughout the years. Um, This is me. This is my process today. Right? This is what I've been doing. I've been doing this for a few years now, but it might change. It might change. Let me explain to you what I do. Right? I have good books. That's my Kindle. I have good books by godly men. I'm reading um, a book by Thomas Watson. He's like a 400-year-old Puritan. He wrote stuff about the beauty of Christ that makes me weep. And he stirs my affections for Jesus. I get a book. Because I don't, you know, have you ever come to pray with God and you just feel like, I just don't even feel like this. It's like, this is what I, man, this is, this is like, how could this be boring? This is God. But then my, wife, my heart is so wicked. That's the way I am sometimes. And so, I need someone to stir my affections. I need someone to prime the pump. I need someone to help my heart to love Jesus more. So it's, I read a good, I read a part of a, you know, just a few pages just to stir me up. Then I'm into God's Word. I'm memorizing it. I'm reading it. I'm I'm engaging. I'm studying it. Then I listen to music. That's my iPod. I listen to music. Godly music. That makes me just want to sing the greatness of Jesus. And then I write out my prayers. You don't have to write out your prayers. I write out my prayers. Do it whichever way you like. But my mind is so corrupt that uh, here's how my prayers go when I don't write them out. Jesus, thank you for the blood of Christ. Blood is red. Red Corvette. Man, that girl in the red dress. And then that's how it goes, right? It's just like bang, 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 bang. And and I'm like, how did I get there? How did I get there? Well, I, I, need to, I need to get focused. Writing helps me to focus. If, if you need that, then that's good for you. But watch this. Where's your place? Where's your time? What's your process? Now you go, I don't know what scriptures to read. I don't know where to start. Everybody write this web page down. Scripture Union. Scripture Union. On Scripture Union, you're going to get 50 million different Bible studies that you could do. Bible reading plans. www.scriptureunion.org 
You're going to get reading plans. You're going to get devotionals. You're going to get Bible stuff. It's all, a lot of it is free. Not all of it is free because some of it, you, you know, if you're ordering paper, it's going to cost them something. So, but tons of it is free. You can get ebooks. You want to just, you know what? I'm going to spend two weeks on the life of Jesus in my devotional. And, and you just spend two weeks reading a little bit of God's word about who Jesus is, about the life and ministry of Paul, about the Old Testament or the New Testament. Or what, I, I need to, you know what? I'm going through a difficult time in my life. Um, I'm having a tough time forgiving this person. I, I need forgiveness. Two weeks or three months on the scriptures that talk about forgiveness. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. It's powerful. But what's your time? What's your place? What's your process? I don't know what it is. My prayer is that you have one. And the reason my prayer is that you have one is so that you can refer to God's word, not your feelings. Because God, listen, change will happen. But God will use, God's Holy Spirit will use God's holy word to lead you to walk in holiness. I'm going to have George come up. And he's going to share his testimony about um, his engagement with the scriptures. And um, I want you to listen in, and then we'll close. Through my testimony, but uh, I just want to just really thank God that uh, Pastor Edwin is in my life to teach me something. Born prematurely. And weighing less than two pounds, I came into this world being a fighter. From the very first breath, someone was watching over me. It was three months before my mother could take me home. I grew up a few blocks from this very building in the 1970s, where life was difficult and violence was a normal part of my life. I was familiar with the streets very early on in my life, fighting for every inch of my pride and my ego. There were practically no limits to what I would do to hold on to my street. I got very good at it. They also felt vulnerable, scared, alone, and exposed. Yet, in the world I grew up in, I could never let this become known. My pride, self-loathing, and fear placed me on a collision course with myself later on in life. I depended on no one. I felt like no one had my back but me. And I liked those odds. It was because I, loved, I thought I loved the streets and was prepared to die. Still, even in the chaos of my youth, someone was still watching over me. Every day for me was a battle, but after all, I always dreamed of being At a very young age, I had a daughter, Taina. Children changed my life. And even though I resisted, I had become responsible for someone. I willed myself to change because they had to begin providing for my daughter instead of my own, my only consideration for my own selfish needs. So I worked many jobs, always having a soldier mentality. I worked long and hard. But I had become hardened, even as a young man. In 1986, I joined the police department. This was my first true test of being a soldier. Here I was again, back in the street. I've always known this time as a police officer. Although I was empty in my spirit, I excelled in the street and was promoted to the inspector early in my career. I was street tested and survived. I was awarded citations for bravery, receiving three commendations. I was also so proud of those medals because I was still holding up. I needed something more to make me feel brave in spite of how I felt in my heart. I felt danger every day, total disregard, and complete mockery. In the face of real darkness in my job, I was certain that someone was still watching over me. 
During my career, I had a dark side that came up again and again. I abandoned God and never called on him for help. I married my wife whom I adore, but I ignored the God-given rules of marriage, acting on my own will. Confronted by shame and guilt, I admitted to her my need to change. She said, I've always known you as a soldier, a fighter, and are you willing to fight for your marriage? I said, yes. Can you help me? My wife stood by my side and did not abandon me. She guided me in the direction of God, who had always been waiting there for me, who was the only source able to help me. She let me know that there were men who could help me fight my most important battle. I admitted to them that I didn't know what it was like to be a man because I had poor role models who suffered from low self-esteem and depression. My wife told me that. By introducing me to some of the strong men who were the followers of Christ and the church, she informed me that the leaders of the church have been praying for me for years to come to Christ. And around this time, I found Then something amazing happened. My wife came to Christ. She never gave up. I started reading the Bible every day, going for marriage counseling and attending Bible study meetings every week. A few months later, Pastor Gus invited me to attend church. I agreed, and I saw my wife in the world different. With a new love for God, for my family, for my children, for my fellow man. I started realizing everyone who was distant from me, and I from them, from the mm. that I found again in the The tool to change comes from one source and one source only, from God. No one can make you change but you. I was not strong or wise, so I played the of my life. I became a soldier of God. Sometimes we block ourselves from the very source that can help change and empower us. It is not about me anymore. It is about everyone else. To be humble, ready, to serve others first, to do the less, to give away more, to be generous with your time, your talent, your skills, your laughter, your money, your love of God. It's all because of Christ in my life. The captain surrendered. He called me many times, but I was not giving his work. Once I let Jesus into my heart, everything changed. As a true children, true soldier of Christ, we have tools to enable us to change the word of God. Never will I abandon. You know, when he was preaching and teaching about Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, it, it, you know, it, it's the words. It, it, I fell in love with the words. And, you know, how does a young man keep his way pure? According to your words. And I'm getting your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
2 Timothy 3.16. So all scriptures of God is free. And it's useful to teach correcting and training in righteousness. Verse 17 says, So that the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In Ecclesiastes 10.10, it says, that the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill brings success. And Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, for many have not been taught nor grounded in the word of God. I look at the word grounded, it means well balanced and sensitive. We have to be well balanced. That's why I keep the word in my heart. I, keep, I can keep going on with scripture. Pastor Ray told me before, he said, You have a problem in your life? Remember these four scriptures? I said, Which one's on? Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. The Psalms 34 1, it says, I will extol the Lord all the time. Pray. Focus me on my Stolen. I was that person. I didn't know that. Enthusiastic. One Thessalonians five sixteen it says, Rejoice. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances. But this is God's will, will for you in Christ Jesus. In Romans eight twenty eight it says, Let me say about eight eight twenty eight. There you go. All things work together for good for those who love them, who has been called according to I keep those words in my heart. Not in the head. We got to Thank you. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Now you, want, you understand why I wanted George to come up here. His life has been transformed. His marriage has been transformed. His family has been transformed. Because the Son of God came and gave his life so that the Holy Spirit of God could use the Word of God to help the heart that belongs to God walk in holiness. I want that for you. I want that for your life. What's your time? What's your place? What's your process? Start tomorrow. It'll change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to hear your word. That your word would convict and encourage. That your word would move in such a way as to help us to get a different script. Lord, there's no one like you. You are an awesome and holy God who deserves our praise, our affections, our love, our pursuing, our seeking, our rejoicing, our asking for you to teach, our meditating on your word. You deserve every bit of that. And my prayer is that you would get the glory and that we would get the joy from doing that. Change our hearts, O God. Help us to see you as glorious and beautiful. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to sing together.